52 episodes, 52 ordinary people, 52 real stories about things that affect overall health. Because there is a lot more that goes into being healthy than food and fitness. Inspiration, support, a new perspective, and knowledge. You'll find that and more here on the HealthAbility Project. Hi, I'm Robin McKenna. Welcome to the HealthAbility Project. No matter how old or how young we are, the loss of a loved one is an unbearable pain. And no matter what our station in life, this is an experience we will all have. Anger, guilt, and depression are some of the emotions that will visit each and every one of us, and we will all feel the weight of having to face a future without our loved one. Some will endure an even greater unbearable pain because they are the parent and they have survived their child. Here to share her story of how losing her beautiful adult daughter, Daniela, affected her overall health and well-being, and what is helping her to face the future without her daughter is Tina Kadish. Tina is a life purpose coach and business coach, author, speaker, and trainer. She offers tools and strategies to support women who want to leave the corporate world to create a successful business strategy so they can launch a profitable business. Tina's mission is to impact women's lives by helping them live with joy, fulfillment, and freedom. She is the author of Freedom, Seven Steps to Thrive in Life and Business, and she is also the author of From Pain to Peace, Her Journey Through Losing Her Child. Welcome to the HealthAbility Project, Tina. I'm so glad to have you on today. Thank you for having me today, Robin. It's a pleasure to be here with you. So, Tina, I understand that it is now the two-year anniversary of the passing of your daughter, Daniela. Can you tell us what happened Yes, thank you. So my daughter, 36 years old, was going through some pain in uh, 2019 and started in March of 2019 and until October was experiencing stomach pains and was going to her physician multiple times. And finally, in October, the physician took some tests. So uh, the end of October 2019 led us to um, another physician who suggested a hysterectomy. Well, we found out on November 1st that she had stage 3C ovarian cancer that had already spread to her stomach area. Mm. So needless to say, having that news on November 1st, we were hoping that it wasn't going to be cancer, but so full hysterectomy at 36, never being sick until this experience. So that's the journey when we started with having chemo and, you know, having the treatment plan. And we went into 2020 with this tragedy. When you first got that news, what was your immediate reaction? I'm in the hospital. I literally broke down and had to remove myself from the doctor. And my sister was there with me. And I just couldn't even talk to her at all. I just literally broke down because I was worried it might be cancer, but then you're always hoping that it wouldn't be. Mm -hmm. And hoping that it would have been just a hysterectomy and not have have spread because stage 3C 
it had already spread to other organs. And then we find out it also she had a bowel obstruction. So not only did she have ovarian cancer, but she also had a bowel obstruction to compound the problem even more. And what happened after this diagnosis was given? Did you deliver the news to your daughter? Was it you, the daughter, and the doctor? So that was interesting. So her doctor said, because she was under anesthesia, let's tell her when she comes out, but it'll probably be tomorrow, because this was in the afternoon of November 1st. And me and my sister, we go to the room and everything, and we wait for her. And my daughter got out of her anesthesia sooner than I had wanted her to. And so my sister and I um, were like, oh, no. So the doctor wanted to tell her. And my daughter, first question, mom, do I have cancer? And I said, yes. And my sister and I looked at each other. And my daughter says, mom, tell me. And I said, yes, you do. I went immediately into everything's going to be great. It's going to be fine. We'll get through this. Not to worry. But I had to break it to her. Mm. We wanted the doctor there, but it didn't happen that way Mm. to share the news. I don't know. In in hindsight, do you think it was better that this news came from you, her mother? You know, yeah, I think so. Because my, my sister and I were there talking to her and we were, you know, talking to her and saying, you know, this is, you know, it's going to be okay. It's, it's, you know, it hasn't, we hadn't gotten the pathology report at that point. So we didn't know the level, the treatment plan and any of that going forward. So we were really hopeful and we were given hope from the physician mm-hmm. that she's going to be okay. Going to get through the chemo and it was going to be okay with the drugs that we were going, the chemo that they were going to give her. They really gave us a good prognosis. They really did. And I was really, really hopeful. I really was. Okay. And what happened over the course of those next eight months? She was always in the hospital from the time that she was diagnosed. You know, she had to get through the, the surgery, um, was, came home, was home for three weeks. All of a sudden she started to throw up, couldn't hold food down and go back to the doctor, come to find out she got a bowel obstruction. And we had to put a tube that would go to her stomach and she couldn't eat food without this bag. So she had a bag that was inserted and that led to more hospital stays. And then we started the chemo in December, right? Like about a month after she had surgery, we had to start the chemo. It was gonna be six treatments of chemo every three weeks. And so we said, okay, got this. And the bowel obstruction, we don't know if it led from the cancer or if it was led from the hysterectomy, because I did some research on that. So we don't really know to this day what led the bowel obstruction with the, with the ovarian. So we thought the ovarian was enough. So then COVID hit in 2020, as we all know, and she was in the hospital when COVID first hit for infections, or she's always had, she always had infections, the chemo, you know, she'd always have some kind of reaction to chemo. And so she was more in the hospital during the eight months than not. So there was a time I couldn't go visit her. COVID hit. We weren't allowed to visit any patients. So for a month, I couldn't see her. And so she's in the hospital alone and we couldn't even visit her. However, I worked with the social worker there and she got me to come in. So I was able to be the only patient's mother that could see And so luckily I was there every day seeing her. And so then she came home and, you know, there was periods of time that 
went to chemo. It was working okay. I was always with her. I never, ever believed during that time that she was going to pass away. I just never even, the doctor would always give us good news. And there was actually a period in March of 2020 that her markers had gone down significantly. And there was hope, like my daughter was really happy because it looked like the chemo was working. So this must have been a roller coaster ride of emotion for you. You're a mother. Your daughter is is struck with cancer. You're obviously working. Uh, you have another child. All of these balls in the air. Tell us what you were going through. Yes, it was a roller coaster. And all of my daughter's friends, all my family, I was the point of contact. I was the one that everybody was calling and checking in to see how she was doing because nobody could visit her. Keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. I was it. And so I was the one communicating to my family. But when she was home, you know, we had family and but COVID hit. So COVID, nobody came to visit her at home. And it was just so traumatic with the COVID hitting. She had cancer. She couldn't see her friends. You know, it was just a horrible time. However, me being the optimist that I am and always giving her hope and never quitting, always looking for solutions during this whole process, you know, as a mindset coach and helping women really getting into their mindset to working in, you know, in a solution, I was always looking for a solution. And we were also getting second opinions. We went to Sloan Kettering. We went to Dana-Farber. We were going to go to Texas to MD Anderson. That didn't work out because it was too late at that point. But we went and did get second opinions, Sloan Kettering twice. And they said that the treatment that we were on was the only thing. And because my daughter was uh, had a bowel obstruction, she was not eligible for any clinical trials as well for new drugs. That had to be frustrating. Very frustrating. I really was, there were days that I was at my wit's end. I just did not know how I was going to get through this. But my faith kept me through. Because I kept saying, you know, God, I know you're going to, for me, I'm a faith-based person. And for the listeners here, whatever you believe in is, is up to you. But for me, that's what kept me going and my optimism and my never quitting attitude. I'm a fighter. My daughter would always say that. Actually, I put it in my book. My daughter would say, I'm not a fighter, mom. I said, well, you better fight for this because I'm not outliving you you are not dying on my watch. Mm. And I kept saying that to her. And I said, who's fighting here? You or me? Because I'm not the one that has the cancer. Mm. You're the one that has the cancer. So you're going through this and you're having little little arguments with your daughter. Absolutely. Because my daughter's very stubborn. I'm more of a natural remedies. And I started doing my research. What could we give her naturally? But because she had the bowel obstruction, she couldn't even swallow. There were times she couldn't even eat food, couldn't swallow like giving her a smoothie, you know, towards the end, she had, you know, in her throat, it was burning and she couldn't even drink Mm. a smoothie. We went to a nutritionist as well. She was in pain. We went the natural remedy route and we were working with that because in late March, physician did tell us chemo's not working. There's nothing we can do. Mm. And my daughter would ask, ask the physician, so how much time do I have? And I said to my daughter, why would you ask such a question? She said, well, I want to know, mom. And the doctor did tell her one to three years at that time. Hmm. And she lasted eight months. 
it was really a roller coaster. I like that description. It was definitely. So you were, I did read your book and there were a lot of uh, beautiful points in it. But what I found really astounding was that you recognize that through all of this, you know, you had the support of friends and family. You were trying to be this rock, even though you were facing what you were facing. But you said you also got some gifts from your daughter and lessons that she taught you. And there's one in particular story about Christmas time and going to see the Christmas lights. Yes, that was um, my daughter was in the hospital for about four weeks and it was around Christmas and we were worried that she was going to stay in the hospital Christmas. But we were so happy when they discharged her. And so the week before, a couple of days before Christmas, she got discharged. And my daughter said, mom, I want to take you somewhere. And I said, where? She said, "There's. you'll see. Just go here, go there. It was a Christmas display in, in our town that every year they had the whole house lit up. And my daughter's friend had told me that she had sent her a message that she wanted to give her mom Christmas spirit because we both needed that Christmas spirit. Mm. That was the last Christmas together. Mm-hmm. And it was really like the fact that you always thought of others. And that's the really the message that I have for everybody. It's, you know, my daughter thought of others always first. Very worried about me. Like she would always say, mom, I'm so sorry you're going through this. No mother should have to go through what you're going through. And I'm really sorry for you. And I would say, don't think of me, think of you because you're going to get through this. And this is a second chance at life. You could have a second chance at life. You really could. And I really believed she would have a second chance at life, that this was going to teach her. Because before she got diagnosed, she was not in a happy place. Mm. She was depressed. She had a lot of anxiety. She was definitely unhappy. And she had a lot going. And I actually, she was a journalist. And I have some of her writings here. And she did say how she wasn't grateful for what she had before she was diagnosed with cancer Mm -hmm. and that maybe she created this to get sick. She really thought of that. And she said that she really should have been grateful because she had a great career, great friends, great family. She had a lot going. She was living on her own in a cute apartment. She was actually buying a condo. And actually the same week she got diagnosed with cancer, she had just put an offer on a condo Mm -hmm. in the same week. We went through the process. I actually went through the process for her because she did want to continue buying the condo. And that is where I'm living today is in her condo. Yes. How does that make you feel? You know, it's interesting you say that. The first intent was to live here to help her because she lost her job. They eliminated her job at her company. And the day before she was going to close on the condo and the same week she was going to go back to work because her family medical leave had you know, I was going away and she was feeling good and she was going to go back and they eliminated her job. They had said months before. So the day before the closing, my daughter says, and we were selling our house, my husband and I. And so she said, mom, would you mind living there until I get back on my feet and pay the mortgage? Cause I cannot pay the mortgage. I said, sure. We had gotten a buyer. We didn't have a place to go. We said, let's do it. We did. And then, you know, she passed away and we're still living here two years later. My son now is the owner for the condo. So we did it to help her with the condo to get her back on, on her feet. And 
I feel connected here because this is her place, mm-hmm. but there's also a sadness of what could have been had she been able to live here. It was her first, you know, being a home buyer. And so she never got to move in, but she did come here, stayed overnight here while she was sick. You know, she did stay here a couple of times, had dinner here. Of course, this was her condo. And she lived in an apartment next to my dad's with my son. My son moved in with her to help her during the time that she was sick. So very grateful for my son and next door to my dad, um, who was there as well. So we had a lot of support, which is something that I share in my book, is that having support, being grateful for that mm-hmm. is so important as you're, as you're going through a difficult time. So it became quite clear that one to three years was not going to be the prognosis and your daughter ended up passing away in early July of 2020. Yes, she did. And she was in the hospital when she passed away. I was there with her. She went in the hospital the end of June because she had got sepsis, blood pressure dropped. She got three infections and that led her in the hospital. And so she had to be in there and they couldn't discharge her because her blood pressure was so low. And they said to me, she cannot come home because we wanted her home because they told us that she would need to go to hospice. She's gonna die. She's actively dying is how the doctors put it. And I said, no, she's not. She's gonna come home. We're gonna take care of her at home. We've got the natural remedies taken care of. She's going to be okay. And the doctor said, she's not going to make it. You can't even put her on an ambulance because she's not going to make it home. Mm -hmm. I said, well, that's not possible. That's not possible. So I was in denial. I think at that point I was in denial. I said, no, she's not. And because of COVID, I wasn't allowed to stay in the hospital with her. And, you know, the hospital where she was would not allow me to. And I said, I'm going to stay in the hospital until my daughter either comes home or passes away. But she's not going to pass away. She's going to come home. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to stay here all day and all night until she one of those two things happen. So they allowed me to stay. I was very determined. I'm a fighter. Again, my strength is my anger. And when we go through difficult times, and especially for those of you that are listening here that are mothers or fathers, your strength comes out. <laughs> it really does. And they knew who I was at the hospital. And the <laughs> president, the president of the hospital even visited me to tell me how I was not allowed. And I said, yes, I will stay here. So I did. And luckily I did because the visiting hours were one to five, only two visitors a day could come at that point. That's another thing they changed for me. And my family. You were very persuasive. Um, oh, yeah. I, I was very influential. Let me just tell you that. There were some choice words I used, okay, <laughs> that the Italian came out of me. I'm an Italian. Effective communication. It was, yes, it was. Okay, that was my communication style. And luckily, I was there. I stayed overnight. And it was, you know, it was one of those nights that I never knew she was going to pass away the following morning because she died in the morning. Visiting hours were one to five. She passed away between eight and 8.30 in the morning. Hmm. So luckily I did stay because no one would have been there with her. Mm. The lot, and we spent the night together watching her favorite sitcom. I, we cuddled, I was on, on the bed with her. We talked, like she was having trouble speaking and trouble even pressing her fingers to even call the nurse 
if she needed assistance. So it was really bad. But I kept saying, no, she's going to come around. She's going to come around. My son and I were the eternal optimist. And we were, we were. And so passing away the next morning, the last word she said to me was, mom, I can't breathe. I said, no worries. Got the nurse in, put the mask on. I said, you're going to be great. It's going to be fine. I can't wait. You know, had the bed at home. Everything was ready to come home. We had already made arrangements. And blood pressure, the doctor came in. It's interesting. Came in at 730 in the morning to tell us blood pressure is normal. Her infections were gone. She, yeah, she could come home today. I said, that's awesome. I was so happy. Okay. Eight o'clock. Flat lines on the screen. And I'm looking at the screen. Doctor comes in and I said, what is happening right now? And he said, she's dying. I said, no, she's not. Blood pressure was normal. Infection's gone. She's coming home. No, she's dying. And when she flatlined, I just said, what just happened here? And she passed. She passed. She passed, seemed, it seemed like she was calm, peaceful. And I shook her and I literally was very upset, of course, crying and screaming. And I said, you never listened to me. I told you not to die on my watch. And you just couldn't listen to me one more time. So that was what I said. And then I had a call. I was alone. I had to call my son, my sister, her friends, my my ex-husband, my husband. I mean, I had to call the whole family. Mm. And my son quickly came and my sister, but she had already passed mm. when they came. Mm. And so it was as a parent losing a child. For those of you listening here who may have experienced this, it is a day. What I've learned is that grief you just go through grief and you and you live life with the grief mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you continue living life one day at a time. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what I've learned among other lessons from my book. And, that, and this is what I said the day that she passed. I said, OK, God, what do I do with this mess right now? Like, what is my purpose in my life? And I really wanted to really do something create something. I didn't want people to forget my daughter. And in my book, I talk about creating a legacy because I do not want anyone to forget her. And until I take my last breath, people will not forget her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because people loved her, she had a great community of friends and family and um, her school. I mean, she was an amazing woman. Mm-hmm. She really was. So, so what are you doing with creating legacy? You talk about a couple of steps that you've taken post the passing of your daughter to, to help you get up every day and get out of bed and find purpose and, and um, have a renewal of life. Well, first thing I did was write my book. That was my way of healing. And I wrote an article first about it. Then I wrote a chapter in an anthology. But then this was my first book. And I really want the message to be, okay, when we're all going through pain, how do we find that peace? How do we even get through this? And it's a process. You know, there's the stages of grief and, you know, there's many books about grief. I did not want my book to be about being a downer. I really wanted to be about how can we live life when we're going through a loss? Because we've gone, everybody's gone through some kind of loss mm-hmm. and loss is loss. And 
I want to give back. So one of the things that I'm doing is I'm part of an organization, One Tough Cookie, where I donate my time with them and I'm on the board and helping other cancer patients. I'm actually going to be going in hospitals and visiting cancer patients and talking to caregivers and somehow offer some, some help, some support to get through it and to give them some hope. Because as you're going through this, you need the hope and the strength. And it might turn out good. For some people, it's turned out really well. Some it hasn't. And also remembering the good times. And this is something that I want everybody to really think about. Celebrate the times you did have with your loved one. Cherish those moments, those pictures, those holidays. Holidays, I mean, are so important. The people that you have left in your life, be intentional with spending more time with them. I'm very intentional with my son, my family, but you know, like every day is a gift and I really am more intentional about it. Mm -hmm. So as I'm running my business, yes, making money is important, but it's those moments, those experiences Mm -hmm. that are important. And we've also, we also created a, it's called Little Free Library. It's an organization that you can create a community. It's like a house and you put books and you donate, you give and take books. My daughter was a lover of books and so was I. Instead of shoes, she loved books. And we would always read same books, share books. And I still have a collection of her books. So this is a community, a Little Free Library. We, we put one in her elementary school on the property of her elementary school in her honor. And now everybody sees her name. They see, they know a little bit about her and it's at her elementary school where she loved and spent years there. And so that's a way to giving back Mm -hmm. to her. And I'm also sharing my message. How can I help other moms and dads? So for you, this helping others get through their grief is obviously medicinal for you. And you talk about in your book about letting go, and this is a process of letting go with great benefit. But the idea of letting go is a parent is never going to let go of the grief they have over the loss of their child. But it is it is really rather than letting go, it's learning about how to carry that every day and that every day will be different. Exactly. Every day will be different. You know, there's moments that I'll just say, oh, you know, I remember when my daughter would say this. Oh, yeah. You know, like anything like. I'll be making chicken soup, perfect example. She loved chicken soup, my chicken soup. And as I was cooking, as I would be cooking the chicken soup, she'd always peel, get the chicken and eat. Like there's memories that come in. So the letting go for me is really remembering those moments that we had together. I was very fortunate too, that we had a good relationship. It wasn't always like that. There was a lot of conflict, Mm -hmm. but we came together, we traveled together. My daughter loved history. And we actually went to Gettysburg, which I did not care to go, but I did. And (laughs) luckily I did because it was our last trip together. Mm. And none of our friends would go. None of our family would go. (laughs) I was the only one. So mom will do what moms are for. I know that's what moms (laughs) are for. So I went and I got to tell you, I am so grateful that I went, that she convinced me and that we did because it was a moment, again, a moment. So this is the, what I'm saying to all of your listeners is really pre- you know, cherish those moments together mm-hmm. and remember those good times. There's a sadness, definitely. There's a sadness because she, what could she have become 
for the rest of my life, she will not be here with me. It seems just in listening to you and then also too, of course, reading the book, it seems that as a result of this loss, you've developed new and different strengths that you did not have before. Yes. And this is the message because, you know, people have said to me, my publisher, for example, I would say to him, I feel kind of bad. I I feel bad that I'm selling a book and it's out there and I'm making money off of a tragedy of my daughter. Mm. And he said, this is how you want to think it. Think of all the people that you can help because of your book because of your message, because there are women out there that I'm coming across that can't even get out of bed or they can't even speak. There's a perfect example. One of my book buyers has a son who lost a friend. Now this is, we're talking about, I think middle school or high school age. And he, she bought the book for her son to read it. Mm -hmm. And she said that because of my book, He's able to talk about the loss of his best friend now, but wasn't able to before my book. So I don't realize the impact that I could make, but that's my goal is I want to make an impact for others that they, that has it been helpful to them? Has it been inspirational to them? Have they done something different because of it? In my book, you know, I have a whole pages of journaling where they can actually reflect on some things. And so I really want people to tap into that and really um, move through it. And like I said, it's not easy. And I'm not saying it is easy, but let's move on to, you know, this is the moving on in spite of this loss, but there's, you know, somebody that I came across and he said this, we have two choices because he lost a son and a wife in a two year period. Mm. And he said to me, I could take the bitter road or the better road. And that really resonated with me when he said that. I said, you know, you're absolutely right. I could either be bitter, angry, resentful, or I could make a difference. And I have remaining family. I have a son who is left. I do not want to be, to go earlier and not be there with him. I want to be a grandmother. I want to see him get married. So he, you know, there's the, and I have a business. I have my husband. I have my, my parents, believe it or not, they're still alive, 88 years old, still alive. But it's really mostly that there's more to do. I'm not done yet. God must not be done with me yet. And maybe my daughter's life was done for now and is somewhere else right now looking down at me and saying, go mom. Mm -hmm. I knew you were going to do it. You never give up. And I see her smile and saying, go mom. I really do. Well, Tina, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing such a sensitive and painful story, but with such tremendous, joyous, new perspective and the beauty that you have found new strength. And as you say in your book, a renewal of life. So thank you very, very much. Thank you so much for having me, giving me the opportunity to voice this. Of course. Well, listeners, thank you very much for listening. We hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. If you like us, please share and tell your friends about us. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email us at 
thehealthabilityproject at gmail.com. Thanks very much, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us today at The HealthAbility Project. We'd love to hear from you, so please email us your questions, comments, or suggestions, including future guests, to thehealthabilityproject at gmail.com. And please like us, subscribe, and share us with your friends.